G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. Satan's number one goal in your life is to convince you that you are unpresentable. Today with Jeff Vines. Welcome. Hello, my name is Bill, and you're with me here on Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, we'll hear the conclusion of Pastor Jeff's message on the breastplate of righteousness. Making ourselves presentable or acceptable to others is something that drives most of our behaviour, whether it's how we run our businesses, what clothes we shop for, or how religious we look. Today, we'll continue looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and how we need to present ourselves within the armour of God. Let's hear from Pastor Jeff now for the rest of this message. Stay with me. This, I mean, this ought to open your eyes to the world in which we live. When the devil thinks he's going to lose you and you're starting to come to your senses, wait a minute. These things, these things aren't working. I still feel like I'm unpresentable. Guess what he does next? He says to you, why don't you try religion? What? The devil would say try religion? Absolutely. That's his forte. He loves religion. What is religion? Religion is this. It is a way or the means by which you can make yourself presentable to God through your own righteous efforts. And that comes from the evil one. So number one, you attend church out of obligation and guilt rather than a passionate desire to worship God and give him gratitude for all he's done. So for you, going to church is about spiritual points. You're not here because you really want to be. You're just here because you feel really guilty if you don't come. And for you, going to church is worth like three points. Listening to the whole sermon without doing email, that's worth like 10 points. (laughs) And if you're a CCVer, what you try to figure out is how late can you come to church and still get the points? And some people on Sunday morning don't even make it into the building. They park their car. I see everything, I told you. They park, they park their car, they get a cup of coffee and stick their head in as if they were there and then go home. And here's the reason why. You're still relating to God by way of religion. You still feel obligation out of fear. You're still treating God as a religious entity. God wants you to love and worship him out of relationship, but you will never love and worship him as long as you're trying to earn his favor. Instead, you'll begin to hate God because you'll say to yourself, no matter what I do, I'm never presentable to God, and you'll get to the point where you resent him. 
and you run away because you're still trying to relate to God by means of religion. Two, you'll read your Bible out of obligation rather than out of a passionate desire to seek and know God. For you, you'll open the Bible and you'll read it, but not because you really want to know the God of the Bible. You read it because you feel guilty. You haven't read it in a while. And you think, man, God must be angry with me. I better read the Bible. You spend about 10 minutes. You're bored to death with it. You don't really study it. You just read it. Well, that's got to be worth a couple of points because you think that you're the object of the wrath of God if you don't, and then he's going to get you. And you feel that way because you're still relating to God by terms of religion. So you are trying to appease God rather than really know him. And that's religion. And if the devil can keep you trying to appease a God you think's angry at you, you will never love him and never worship him. You will resent him and hate him. Third, I participate in rituals to cleanse me of my sins rather than as a reminder that my sins have already been forgiven. So you come and when you take communion to you, communion is not a celebration of the, of the reality that Christ has forgiven you past, present, future sins. For you is if you take communion, it absolves your sins. Man, if I go to church, I had a really bad week. I mean, I cheated. I looked at stuff I shouldn't have looked at. I mean, I need to go and take communion. And when you take it, oh, I'm forgiven. And maybe I'll stay a second or third service and take it again and maybe get a lot of points in the credit column. That way, if I sin this week, I'm still to the good. Listen to me. Ironically, the worst kind of guilt and unpresentableness comes from being religious because down deep inside, you know it's never enough. No matter how much good stuff you do, you know it's never enough. And the feeling of unpresentableness never, ever goes away. Do you know what the Bible says about religion? It says it comes from the devil. Anytime there is a faith system that tells you if you do this, you'll earn merit points and God might accept you. If you travel to this foreign land and visit this city, God needs to accept you. If you say these five things, if you do these five practices, if you do all of this, then you've earned favor with God, you've earned merits, and that is blasphemy against the cross of Jesus Christ that tells you you do not come to God on the basis of merit, but on the basis of faith and grace. Amen. Now, Tell you what, you think about, this is a religious world, folks, isn't it? Think about it. Is this not a religious world? We talk about atheism, but there's such a small, minute part of the population. This is a religious world. And this feeling of unpresentableness that exists in our, deep, deep in our souls, the devil's been working overtime since the Garden of Eden to convince you that you can get rid of it if you try really hard to be good. The good news is this. The Bible says, Jesus says, and by the way, you can't say Jesus was a good teacher and then say he was a liar because Jesus taught that there is a righteousness. Man, I, if I were in an African-American church right now, amens would be flying everywhere. <laughs> but the Bible says there is a righteousness that will cover you and make you 100% presentable. And, and it is a righteousness. It is a righteousness that is not your own. It is a righteousness that is given to you as a gift. And all you got to do is reach out and take it. Yeah. Romans 1.16, let me walk you through it quickly and I'm going to comment as we go. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Whose power? So it's not yours? 
Okay, for the salvation of everyone who believes, for everyone who works really, really hard? No, for everyone who does what? Believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. Whose righteousness? God. So it's not yours? A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. In other words, from one person's faith to the next person's faith, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by working really, really hard. No, by what? Faith. What's that mean? Here's what it means. It means that there's one of two ways to be righteous. You can keep the law perfectly or you can pay the penalty for breaking it. Good luck with trying to keep the law perfectly. But you don't really want to pay the penalty for breaking it either because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So God looks down on you and says, you know what? I love you, and I know you can't keep this law perfectly, and I know that you don't want to die a death, and I don't want you to because I want relationship with you. That's why you were made in the first place, so I'm going to send my son, and my son's going to come down there, and you'll know that I love you because the greatest love that communicates to humanity is the love between a parent and a child, and I'm going to sacrifice my son, and he's going to die for your sins. And his penalty that he paid, he paid on your behalf. And I'm going to impute that righteousness to you. So that when I look at you, I see you through righteous colored glasses. Because you've paid the penalty for the law. Not that you've done it yourself, but I'm offering it to you as a gift. Because my son died on a cross for all your sins. Past, present, future. Now that's the gospel. Now here's the beauty of that. Satanic forces know that once you take hold of this, they're doomed. Because first of all, you'll begin to love God instead of resent God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, Paul says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. That word means anger and hatred. What Paul is saying is you hate God, that we hate God. You say, wait a minute, Jeff, hold on. I may not believe in God. I might be agnostic, and I'm not sure there is a God, but come on, I don't hate him. And I'm going to say, yes, you do. And you're going to say, no, I don't. And I'm going to say, yes, you do. And you're going to say, why do you say that? And I'm going to say, because the Bible tells me you do. Now, you think about it. Think how logical it is, though. It's not a blind faith. What happens when you spend your entire life trying to make yourself presentable to somebody Day after day, week after week, year after year. Here's what happens. You're going to come to a point in your life when you're going to say, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. And that trying to make yourself presentable is going to turn into resentment. I resent you. And then it's going to be anger. And it's going to be hatred that you don't even want to be in their presence because they remind you of your unpresentableness. But when you get it, that your righteousness is a gift given to you by God, and it's a free gift that God makes you presentable and loves you unconditionally, guess what's going to happen? Your resentment's going to change to thanksgiving. And you're going to say, I love you, God. I like that. This is a good plan. And you're going to start to worship, not out of obligation or trying to earn favor, because you know you're good with God. And you just want to come into a place like this and stand and raise your hands to heaven and say, thank you, God, that I'm going to live in eternity with you, not because of how bad I am, but because of how good you are. Yeah. And the second thing is, you're going to stop trying to make yourself presentable and accept the reality that God has made you presentable through the cross. Remember this guy? Sad story, really, that I don't have time to go into. But all of us know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever does what? Believe. Oh, believe. So it's not work. It's a belief in what? 
The cross of Jesus Christ as the substitutionary sacrifice and the forgiveness of your sin. And once you come to terms with that, then you'll worship out of gratitude and you'll read your Bible. You will. You know why? Because you'll want to know more about a God who would send his only son to die for you that you might have eternal life with God and abundant life now. And you'll go through the pages. How can I get that life? How do I get that life? And you'll start to pray, not because you think, man, if I don't pray, God's going to get me. His wrath's coming down. You'll pray because you'll think, man, a God that would give his only son for me, the creator and sustainer of the entire universe loves me that much? My goodness, I think I'll pray. There's power with God. And maybe some of that power can come into my life. And third, you will serve God out of love rather than obligation. Now, there are some of you in the room right now. <laughs> you're not sure you're liking this sermon because you're very religious and you like to be in control of God's acceptance of you. You're kind of prideful about how good a person you are. So you're thinking right now, Pastor Jeff, I don't know if I'm sure I like where you're going here because it sounds to me you're giving everybody a license to sin. You're saying everything that needs to be done for us was done on the cross 2,000 years ago, so what is then to motivate me? What's to motivate me to do the good? Dallas Willard says, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. And Tim Keller clears that up when he says, I do not cast off my efforts to be good, but my trust in those efforts to make me presentable before God. Now, what is my motivation for being good? Amazing thing, now stay with me. It's almost in. I mean, we're, we, hey, great timing here. Here's the beauty of this. When you come to the point in your life and you say, God, I'm tired of trying to reach you on my righteous efforts. And I still have this, this feeling, this annoying internal turmoil that I am not presentable. But I'm tired. I give up. And the Bible says when you get to that point, you're in your strongest moment. Because when you give that up, the Bible says you look up and you say, I can't get with you, God, other than you giving me an immeasurable amount of grace and mercy. And the minute you say that, the Bible says the Spirit of God comes into your life and he not only changes what you do, he changes what you want to do. And you'll have new passions in you and new desires and you won't know where they came from, but they came from the Spirit of God where your eyes were finally opened to the reality that your acceptance before God is based on the cross and grace and mercy. And when you surrender, the Spirit of God comes in and starts to transform you from the inside out. And if you're in this room and you're wondering why you don't have a passion to serve or to worship and why it's just too hard and it's too much of an effort, it's because you're still relating to God on terms of religion, not in terms of grace and mercy. As long as Satan can keep you on the religious path, he'll keep you depressed, distracted, and detached from God and others, and your conscience will never find a cure for the desperation of the feelings of unworthiness. What is the answer? Now, this is the end of the sermon. It's kind of like what we call a backward sermon. So there might have been some backmasking in there, and you might have heard some things you've never heard. But at the end, see, only my generation would have gotten that. I, you know, so forget it. What's the answer then? The answer is to put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
Now, I said last week that if I had to dress like this, I'd shoot my own self. But back then, this is the way they dressed. We have the belt of truth. Now we've got the breastplate of righteousness that covers just below the neck down to the lower abdomen. It worked much like a bulletproof vest. Because if you get shot in the arm or the leg, you'll probably survive. It may hurt a lot, but you'll survive. Paul is taking this military metaphor, translating it into a spiritual metaphor, and he's saying that the most precious and vital parts of you, because the breastplate covers what? The lungs, the heart. If you get shot in the lungs or heart, you're done. So he says, take that spiritual metaphor and understand that you've got to protect the most vital parts of you, the heart, the soul, the part of you that understands who you are and who God is and how you relate to God on the basis of grace, not works. Because if Satan's fiery darts can penetrate that, you're done. So here's what's going to happen to all of us, and this is the end. The day is going to come when the devil's coming after you. And let me tell you when it's going to be. How do you know that? Just listen. He's going to come after you when you're at your lowest point. When you've done something you shouldn't have done. When you think it's unforgivable. When you've been in a long season of sin. When you've not been pursuing God the way you think you've been, you should be pursuing him. When you've not been attending church the way you should be attending church. When you've not been participating in the spiritual activities that cause growth. When you're at the very bottom of your rope, when you're, you're at the very end and you're saying to yourself, man, I'm so bad, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore, that's exactly when he jumps. And here's what he says to you. He says, Jeff, now if your name's not Jeff, he'll say your name. <laughs> Jeff, look at your sin. God wants nothing to do with you. See, the Holy Spirit would never say that. He would say, Jeff, look at your sin. Run to God, man. Run to God. Run to God. You need help. You need forgiveness. And he will. He loves you. Run to God. But the devil says, this is sin. You need to run away from God. And I'm just trying to tell you that when the day comes when Satan injects your conscience and puts it on overdrive, if you try to deal with satanic accusations by pointing to your own personal integrity and righteousness, you're going to lose. Because for every good thing you remind the devil that you've done, he's got 20 bad things that he'll bring to your mind and play the video over and over and over and you will lose. Satan is a Hebrew word that means prosecutor. In its root form, prosecutor. Now, what are we going to do when he comes into our lives and puts our conscience on hyperdrive? And here's what he's going to do. And how do, how do you think I know this? How would I know this? I've been there. At my lowest point, a failure. He comes in and he says, you're Jeff Vines, you are a failure. You are not presentable. Why are you even in ministry, man? Get out. You don't measure up. Why don't you just give up? How dare you get on your knees and pray? You know what kind of life you've been living for the last week or two months or year? Don't you get on your knees. That's a holy thing and you're not holy. Don't you dare open the Bible. Who do you think you are? That's the sacred scriptures. You're not worthy to open the scriptures. Why don't you just give up? 
And Paul says the only way you're going to be able to protect those vital parts of you that knows who you are and who God is and your relationship to God is through the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness? See, for a long time I thought, okay, I'm supposed to get up every morning and put on my own righteousness. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) By noon, you're going to be depressed. It's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. So when you're not doing well, and students, when you blow it this semester at one point, because you will, when you find yourself doing things you should not have done, and when you come back to your dorm room, or when you come back from your business meeting, whatever it is, and you get down on your knees and you start to pray, and you start to hear that voice that says, you're worthless, why don't you just give up? Don't you dare pray, who do you think you are? You're not holy, you remind the devil. Actually, don't talk to him, talk to yourself. Grab yourself by the scruff of the neck and lead your emotions to what you know to be true, that the cross of Jesus Christ made me presentable. You say that to yourself. And yes, I'm aware of my sin and my weaknesses. I'm really trying and I wish I didn't fail so much, but the blood of Jesus covers my sin past, present, future. So devil, you can go to hell because I'm getting going, I'm getting over it, and I'm gonna do what Christ asked me to do because he says... Because he says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and I'm in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the power of your word. And we're thankful for the reminder that we are saved by your grace and by your mercy, not our own merit. And I pray the most sincere, heartfelt prayer I can possibly pray that if there's anybody in this room right now who's been relating to you on terms of religion, that their eyes would be open and they would say, this is not working. And this is why I feel this guilt. This is why I feel this condemnation. This is why I feel so separated and distant from God. And then I pray for those who are here that just now they heard something and they know in their spirit is so true. And there's a celebration within them right now. Man, God is really good. He is truly good to take a person like me and to forgive me and to love me so much he'd give his own son. And then on top of all that, that he would put me in places of ministry, that he would give me an opportunity to serve and to spread the news, the good news of the gospel. Me, who's blown it so much, and yet he loves me and he forgives, and he still counts me worthy to be part of his fold. I pray for worship and for conviction to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. As always, I really hope you're able to apply the heart of this message to your daily life and are drawn closer to Jesus. Next time, we'll continue looking at other pieces of God's armour and being ready for the fight. I hope you can join me then. Adoimasia is a Greek word that refers to a spiritual lightness, a spiritual agility, that wherever God sends you, you're okay with that. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines.
Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.